G'day guys, how are we all? Good? It's actually nice and warm up here this morning. Kinda, sorta. Yeah, very good. Good as it gets. Very good. Well, let's start with prayer, eh? Father, we just thank you so much for your presence here today. Thank you no matter what we came in with, what heaviness or, or experience or thought, um, that we can come boldly before your throne room of grace. We don't need grace, Lord God, unless we need it. And we need it today, like always, Lord God. And we pray, Father, for open hearts and open minds. And help us to get past ourselves and our thoughts and our things, Lord God, so that we can be set free in your presence, so that we can be gifted, Lord God, with what you have to say to us, what you want to do in our hearts. If we could do it ourselves, Lord God, well, we wouldn't need grace, but we do every single day. And so we come boldly to that throne room of grace. And we know that you never turn us away. In Jesus' name, amen. Very good. Well, last time I was here, I spoke to you guys about the process of hope for those of you who are here. Now, um, I want to talk about that again. I want to talk about part two. Now, the first section that we spoke about, we talked about being aware. The, the part of the process of hope as far as it, as it pertains to God's word is firstly being aware. Being aware of what God has for us and of course we know what God has for us because his word is given to us to get our hopes up because he knows that we we wrestle against all sorts of things in our own heart and mind in our own lives things that are our fault things that are our problem mistakes we've made and then all those things that happen to us as well and there is no perfect life nobody lives a perfect life but there's a God who gives us his perfect word that steers us in and out of life and into what he desires for our life. But it's a partnership. And it is a process. And part we talked last time about it being, being aware of what it is that God has for us. That would be the first thing. And then it's acknowledging it. Accepting it. Yes, well, I believe that. And the Bible talks about that all through the Bible. It talks about in faith, in faith, in faith. And hope is just a vehicle for our emotions while we wait for things to come to pass. So it's the little bit in between where you're praying for something and you haven't received it and now you've got to decide what you believe because it's a journey. Now that's that, that's that hope part, that's that faith part. So there's being aware of it and then there's accepting it. Now, it's generally in this time, in the middle where it's all going south, that we fail to accept. Or we change our mind, we change our heart. And what God would say is, as part of the process of hope, we need to ex uh, know what he says and accept what he says, even in this middle part. Then we need to nurture it. The, the Bible talks from beginning to end about seed, time and harvest. And... If you will, we are a field, the field of God. You know, there's lots of different ways that God um, speaks about us. But um, if you think about the parable of the sowers, God, Jesus says that he spreads his, uh, his, um, his seed, which is his word, into our heart. And out of the four soil types, only one bears fruit. That's the heart that goes on this journey. That that knows what's been said, that accepts what's been said, and then nurtures what's been said. 
Now, the nurturing process, that's like time. That's if you leave a seed under the ground for long enough, it will sprout. You know, and, and then what we hope to happen in this process of hope is that we then have a harvest. Now, in the Bible, it says clearly, it says, if you do not give up, you will reap a harvest. I think, I think it's in Peter that it says that. And it says it all throughout. And what God's trying to say is he doesn't love this side of the room more than that side of the room or that church more than that church. He's given us all the field and he gives us all seed. And it's to the degree that we treasure it that we'll reap a harvest. Because if you treasure something, you will look after it. And if you treasure something, you will put your foot down and say, no, I will not believe that. I believe this. And God just wants us to partner with him in this process. But he does understand it's a process. It is a process of hope because there is disillusionment along the way. We get knocked off course. All sorts of things happen. I don't have to tell you guys. Um, Good things and bad things, of course. Hope is the feeling that what is wanted can be had or events will turn out for the best. Now, what we need to understand about hope is the Bible is full of it. The Bible gives you its word, the word, so that you can get your hopes up. And it's extremely frustrating. This is what we spoke about last time. Hope sounds good, but in fact, it's frustrating. And the danger is that hopelessness is a safe place. Because if you don't get your hopes up, you won't be disappointed when it doesn't come to pass. But hopelessness kills. Hopelessness is where the enemy wants to take you because it's that place where he can take whatever he wants because it it was never going to happen anyway. He can take whatever dream because it was never going to happen anyway. He can take whatever relationship because it was never going to work anyway. He can take any um, purpose in your life because you're only juster anyway. And this is why God wants us to have our identity in him. And this is why he says, come to me boldly before my throne room of grace. And this is why he said, I'll give you help in time of need. And this is why he said he'll forgive you. And this is why he said your sins as far as the east is from the west. Because everything that we are going to do is from God's own hand. But God understands and God knows that anything that you take from his hand is by faith. Let me take you to a scripture. In Hebrews 11.6, it says this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You see, when we read scriptures like that, It's meant to get our hopes up, not just generally, not just in general. It's meant to get our hopes up in a good God. And there's our treasure. There's your treasure. That as bad as you are and as many mistakes as you make, he's good and he's faithful and he'll never turn you away, ever, ever, ever turn you away. But hopelessness would tell you that that's not the case. Hopelessness would tell you that he's let you down. And then it's like, well, what do you believe? Well, it says here that the only type of faith that pleases God is the kind of faith that, yes, it's up and down, and I'm not here to tell you that I don't struggle with that and struggle with 
knowing God's good and, and I've certainly struggled for over years. But the kind of faith that God loves and responds to is the kind of faith that put, has put their foot down and said, no, no, God is good. You see, this is the, this is the thing that, that Eve didn't do. And so everything was taken from her. And, and see, we're in the same battle. See, Satan doesn't care if you come to church. He doesn't mind if you come to church. He doesn't mind even if you read the Bible, as long as you don't believe it. You, we've got to understand that the link between God's grace and favour outpouring into our lives is our acceptance of it. And we also have to understand that this journey of faith, this process of hope, is going to be marked at times with disillusionment and things the enemy wants to present to you as your failure. Where God says, no, no, it's not your failure. That's just an opportunity to come to me. Because I never expected you to be perfect in the first place. And so this process of hope is one where we have, at least if nothing else, because I'm not telling you God's a genie, and I'm not telling you every single thing that you want you're going to get. And you don't think I'm saying that. But my point is, is that what I am saying, though, is once we've put our foot down, the Bible says that God will do above and beyond what we've ever hoped, dreamed, or imagined. But it says, according to his power that works through us. There's a partnership to it. So we're going to look um, at part two of the process of hope. Um, and the first one, I'm, the screen's going to get a bit messed up here because I'm jumping all over the show, but um, I've done this a couple of times now and we've got five points that I want to talk about that are part of the process of hope. And, and I've missed the fourth one a couple of times, but it's the most important, so I want to start there. And it's this. God's word and his promises. If you are going to gauge in the process of hope, you have to engage in God's word and his promises. It's all about God's word. It's from the beginning to the end, it is all about God's word. How you get it into you doesn't really matter as much. So if you're thinking that I'm saying in your mind, if you're thinking you've got to be up at five o'clock and you've got to read the NIV and you've got to read a chapter out of the Old Testament and a chapter out of the New... No, I'm not saying any of that. So don't be condemned from the outset. However you read the Word of God, just read it that way. If you like to listen, listen. If you like to read, read. If you like to hear it through a message, you know, some trusted um, preacher, do it that way. Um, let God guide you on that. Don't ever be pressured by what I'm trying to tell you. But what I am saying is, if a farmer's ever going to reap a harvest, he has to have seed in the ground. And the Word of God is your promise. It is your seed. It's where you get to know your father. And it's where you get to put your foot down and protect yourself against the enemy and what he says about your father and what he says about your relationship with him. Because the enemy wants to knock you off. He doesn't care if you come to church. He just doesn't want you to have faith that moves mountains. But a faith in move that moves mountains, Jesus said, that's not a, it's, not a, it's not a substance or a size. Jesus says you can do that with faith the size of a mustard seed the faith that moves mountains is the person that's put their foot down to know that God is good 
and that if he says I can move a mountain, I can move a mountain. And so we're going to st- we started on number four, which is if you're going to engage in the process of hope. Now, just let me backtrack for a second. The process of hope is this, that we don't want to be found out in time of need. We want to process hope. We want to have it there and generate hope so it's there when we need it most. And we want to generate it as part of our character. Because if you wait for it as a feeling or an emotion, it won't be there when you need it. Because when we need hope the most is when we have it the least. And this is what God wants you to know. He's not against you. He's actually for you. But in those moments of time where you need him the most, if you haven't learned to generate hope, you're going to have it the least. And one of the foundations is, please sow my word into you. Please know my promises. Please know how the devil comes. Paul says that we're not unaware of his schemes. That we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Okay, so we've started on number four. We're going to go back. Okay, now the first one, if you will, um, is then we need to face the facts. Okay. So what do I mean by that? So faith, I think, is a lot more practical. I think spirituality, God, faith is so much more practical than what we have um, understood it to mean in our own lives and in our own churches over the years. Really, really practical. But that doesn't mean that it's not super, super spiritual. But the practical side of it it, is sometimes you're going to have to face the facts. You're in a terrible situation and you don't know what to do. And it's hard. And let me give you the best scripture I can to to help unpack what I'm talking about, which is probably the most powerful scripture in the whole wide world, potentially. All right, let's have a look at this. Romans 4. It says, Romans 4.18, Against all hope... Abraham, in hope, believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, but was strengthened in his faith. And he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he'd promised. And there's the key. You can face any fact. You can face any mistake, any diabolical thing that you've thought or done, and anything that's ever happened to you, any disappointment. And you can hold on to any promise and you can have hope when you need it and you can have peace when you need it because Jesus says that I've given you peace. My peace will give you, my peace will leave you so do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. And it also says perfect peace of those whose hearts are steadfast on God. So we can have peace, we can have joy, we can have everything we want but it's like this. But you have to be fully, fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he promised. You see... Abraham faced the fact his body was as good as dead. It was over. It was gone. But it didn't disillusion him. You can face the fact, guys. You've faced some stuff and it's not nice 
and it's as hard as you think it is. You're not putting your head in the sand and you're not trying to sugarcoat things. Things are tough and they're not always, you know, we live awesome lives. I think we live blessed lives. And I think, if, you know, and I think we're always ever increasing towards further blessing, not for us, but for us and others. But the fact still remains we go through hard stuff. Well, you can face the fact on that. But God's still good. And this is what got Abraham through. It says that, um, that it was Abraham's faith that was accredited to him as righteousness. And it's the same with us. That journey, that issue, that, that's not your hold-up. That's not your problem. It's what you feel about it. It's what you think about it. And if you put your foot down like Abraham did and said, yeah, yeah, my body's as good as dead, but God promised. And that's why it's important to know his word. What did he promise you? Because I can tell you right now that any change for the better in Natalie and I's life, and there's been some major seasons of shift off the back of some major seasons of hardship, but holding on, and God has always gotten us through for the better, but it's always been off the back of a promise, an expectation. And it just comes through his word. There was one, one time, I haven't got time to delve into it too deeply, but one time I was you know, lost in a decision and I wasn't moving forward and this was years and years ago and, and I was reading Ecclesiastes and it said, those who look at the rain will never sow and those who look at the wind will never reap. And that one scripture just illuminated off the page to me and I knew exactly what I needed to do. And then after that, after I'd made that decision, I just kept on saying to God, God, you said... When it looked hopeless and it looked like I'd made the wrong decision and things weren't turning out like I thought, I said, well, God, you said, you told me this, you told me to do this. And I just had something to hold on to, the process of hope. And so my disillusionment didn't last long as much as it was there. And my faithlessness didn't last long as much as it was there. My hopelessness didn't last long as much as it was there. Why? Because he was good and he promised me. This is how we walk out the Christian world, life. This is how Abraham found his promise. Okay, number two, we've got to move on and we've got to overcome. Those things that have happened, we need to move on. They were hard. We have to move on. We have to overcome. Jesus calls us overcomers. You know? He needs us to overcome. Because one of my points that I'll get to, because I'm jumping around, I may as well jump around all over the show. One of the points is hope's not just about you. He wants you to overcome for your kids. He needs you to overcome for your family, for your friends. He needs you to overcome for that person, for this area, for whatever it is that he's called you to. And he wants you to overcome for you. And there's some terrible things that have gone on. I'm sure, but we need to be able to move on. Martin Luther King Jr. said, we must accept finite disappointment but never lose infinite hope. If anybody can say that, Christians can say that. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that all things God works out for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There's a promise for you. 
Hebrews 11 says, And all these people, talking about the people of faith, the heroes of the faith, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things they promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth. I just want to bring you out a quick point there. That doesn't mean that God wasn't good to them and it doesn't mean they didn't receive a million promises. It just meant that they had that much on their life that they could not have possibly fitted in and they died with faith still in the tank. They died believing that God was still good. You know, that's the kind of life that we need to be living, that where we've just got our hopes up and where we're affecting people, we're affecting the situations. We affect the room when we walk into it. We affect our workplaces. We affect our schools. We affect wherever we go. We affect it because we have something that people don't have. Trust and faith in a good God who makes promises and keeps them. No matter where you are on the journey, no matter how you perform, God is a good God. But we, are, we cannot be dragged and dragged back into the disappointments of life. Because that's what the enemy wants. He wants to pull you in and hold you down. This is why God's saying, lengthen your cords. Spread out. Don't get stuck. Of course, what does that mean as well? We need to be forgiving. You know, like, you know what, can I just be honest with you? I, I, I have times have a real problem with letting go. I get resentful if I allow myself to dig in. And it's just the most terrible feeling. It's so debilitating. That's holding on. If there's something that you need to forgive somebody about, you just need to have grace. You know, Nat and I have gone through seasons in our marriage where it hasn't been all that nice and all that rosy, as, as awesome a marriage as we have. Um, and there was a season only probably a couple of years ago and, and we said this, that we're going to start to be kind to one another, give grace to one another, and we're going to have more fun. There's practical stuff for you. If you're holding on to bitterness, if you're making somebody else's life hard, or if they're doing it to you, let's move on. Let's find a way to move on. Okay. We need to take thoughts captive. 2 Corinthians says this, The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What he's talking about here is the word of God. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and bring it into obedience of Christ. When I talk about, and Jesus talks about, of course, this is why we're looking at this scripture, um, we talk about taking our thoughts captive. What the Bible's saying here is that we demolish arguments that come up against the word of God. We do it. Not God. We put our foot down and say, no, no, he is a good God. And I will not give up hope. And he has promised me. And we put our foot down and go, I will not act like that. I will not say that. I will not think that. And you, take, and you measure what you're going through up against the word of God. You measure what you understand and what you've experienced of God. This is what, what God used to say to the Israelites. He'd say, when I do something good for you, it's meant to be a milestone in your life so that you'll trust me for the next season. But everything I give you, you just put your hand out and say, give me more. 
And what I'm giving you isn't penetrating your heart. And then what happened to the Israelites is by the time they got to where what was meant to be a victory in their life, they stumbled and they never received what God had for them. You know why? Because they never signposted the goodness of God in their life. They never drew a line in the sand. They never took their thoughts captive. They always just expected God to do it. Well, that's saying here that the measure we measure up against, we're meant to go, well, I'll read it again just so I'm not confusing myself. It says that we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We do that. And if we don't do that, someone's doing it for us. Someone's shifting our mindset. Someone's telling us what God looks like. Someone's telling us what this situation looks like. We don't live in a neutral world. There's an enemy that comes and he doesn't care if he's coming to church. He's coming for your mind. Because everything comes from your mind. And then it spills over to your emotions. And then it spills into your actions. And then it spills into your habits. And then it affects your whole life. So we need to take our thoughts captive. And the last one is hope isn't always for you. We talk about this and I think it's important and I love the fact that I get to come up here. I think you guys are a special area and a special church and I think you've got a special calling. You know, but to get this stuff right in our heart and our life is a grace of God, but it's not just for you. It's for everybody that comes into contact with you. You know, when we get this right, Jesus' word comes to life where it says, um, they will know them by their love for one another. You know, that we'll be set apart and we'd be clearly differentiated from the world. You know, God gets his way in us. When God gets his way in us, we get our own way and people get their own way. Lord, I just thank you so much for your word. Lord, we are practicing this. This is absolutely not um, something we're going to perfect. And there's certainly nothing that I've perfected. But I'm so grateful, Lord, that we at least know it, that we can at least measure ourselves up against it and then make our mind up from there. Thank you, Lord God, that you've called it a process so that we don't have to feel like failures along the way. But at least we know that we're on solid rock. At least we know that we're heading in the right direction. Father, steer us and guide us and please have grace on us as we, as we stamp our foot down and draw that line in the sand and say, well, God, this one thing I know, you are a good God and I will take you at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, we won't do continue the convo this morning because we're going to hear from our beautiful Samoan ladies and I'm so excited about that. But just before we do, Dan, I just wondered, um, I just wondered if you might be able to pray for, I know there's lots of people here who they're not yet at the place where something difficult has happened and they can look back on it yet because they're still in the middle of it or they're still like at the beginning of it and it's hard and it's like tragic in some cases and just it feels like they're just in this moment they've not passed through it yet so they can look back and go oh I see the hand of God there I wondered if you could pray for those people this morning and if that's you and you just like in your seat you just want someone to pray with you you can just throw your hand up and wave it around and someone next to you they'll be able to pray with you but just um I just thought we get Dan to pray for that is that cool yeah that's so cool yeah 
But Lord God, you're the, the God of mercy and yes, the God are. of grace. Yeah. Um, and we do, Lord, and you know that we get stuck in seasons, we get stuck in situations, and we get disillusioned and we dig ourselves into, you know, all sorts of mental states. And, and Lord, there are people here today that that's exactly where they are. And there's some people here today who actually haven't seen the goodness of God just yet. Or not to the degree that they've um, been able to put a stake in the ground and say, that's, that's the goodness of God. Mm. I pray for your grace, Lord. Yes, God. I want to thank you so much, my Father, that you are a good God and you've promised, Lord God, to go after the one. Yes, you are, God. Father, we just thank you, Lord God, that by your grace in this room, Lord God, today, yes. as though it's the only room that existed, that you would zero in, Lord God, yes, on those God. people. Thank you for your peace, God. And that they would... They would even just start to be able to open their heart, though, because yeah. what I would pray and what I want to encourage you guys is do not give in to hopelessness mm. because that is like building a wall up. Mm. So, Father, I pray you give them grace to break down those walls just yes, to let God. you in. Let that yes, light God. in, Lord God. Yeah. And to start to believe again and hope again mm. and start to think that, you know what, God is good and the best is yet to come. Mm. I can overcome this. I can break through this. I can stop thinking this. I can stop doing that. This thing can shift because God's for me, not against me. And he turns everything around for my good mm-hmm. and for the good of others. Yeah. So Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence here today. Yeah. Thank you for your promise. Thank you that you are called the counsellor yes, and God. our friend. Yes, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Amen. 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 So great. Thank you, Dan.